This episode of Eat the Rules is brought to you by You on Fire. You on Fire is the online group coaching program that I run that gives you a step-by-step way of building up your self-worth beyond your appearance. With personalized coaching from me, incredible community support, and lifetime access to the program so that you can get free from body shame and live life on your own terms. Get details on what's included and sign up for the next cycle at summerinandin.com forward slash you on fire. I'd love to have you in that group. This is Eat the Rules, a podcast about body image, self-worth, anti-dieting, and intersectional feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. This is episode 200, and in this episode of Eat the Rules, I am sharing 10 lessons that I've learned from the past seven years of doing this podcast and being a body image coach. You can find all the links and resources mentioned at summerinandin.com forward slash 200. Before we begin, I want to give a shout out to Sandy who left this awesome review. Summer is my accidental guru. I have been searching for a podcast whose host is intelligent, well-informed, compassionate, and has a sense of humor. I want facts about why I should divorce diet culture. I want experts and researchers to support that thinking, and I want a cheerleader in my ear to help me make the changes. That's what Summer and Eat the Rules have mastered, and that's why I avidly listen. Thank you, Summer, for all the effort and wisdom you you bring to your show. Wow. Thank you so much, Sandy. That means the world to me. And if I'm totally honest, I cherry picked this particular review for episode 200 because it just like was so awesome. And not that it's like a competition to see who leaves the best review, but I just was like so immensely flattered by everything that you said in this one. And I appreciate all the reviews. I read them all and I hope to one day get through every single one with each episode. And you can leave a review that I will read and potentially hopefully read on the show at some point, you can do that by going to iTunes, search for Eat the Rules, click to leave a review. I would be so grateful if you did that. You can also subscribe to the show. That helps a lot. That helps a ton. Just go click that little button. It takes two seconds. And then lastly, if you haven't already done so, make sure you grab the free 10-day body confidence makeover with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. This is episode 200, and it has been seven years since I launched Eat the Rules, formerly Fearless Rebel Radio, and I did it on a whim. I came up with the idea in like overnight. So what had happened was I had been interviewed on two different podcasts, and I got such great feedback from being a guest on those podcasts, and I thought to myself, okay, well, something is resonating. Maybe people just prefer when I talk about stuff, or maybe the message comes through better when I'm actually speaking to this stuff versus writing it on blogging, which I've never particularly loved writing stuff anyways. And so I just thought, well, 
I'm going to do my own podcast. And it was literally overnight. I just Googled, how do you do a podcast? I downloaded the software. I bought the equipment, like really cheap equipment at that time. It was like a $30 mic. And that was it. A week later, the podcast was there. I created the logo and PowerPoint. It was just one of those things that I kind of slapped together. And if you're a coach or other kind of professional listening to this, it's just kind of an example of how I think we can get stuck overthinking things and like not moving forward on stuff until it's perfect. And this is just an example of something that like I literally threw together <laughs> on a whim and it has become so much better and so much bigger than I ever imagined. If you had said to me, you're going to have 200 episodes seven years later and still be doing this, I would have just been like, what? <laughs> I didn't have any expectations for it. And it's evolved so much. I mean, it's gotten a lot more consistent and strategic in the way that I kind of plan the episodes and the interviews and schedule and, and all that stuff. It's its own little machine now. But when it first started, it was just me bootstrapping this together, like figuring it out as I went. And so I'm just going to take a moment to be really proud of myself because I can be really hard on myself about this and crossing over that seven-year threshold. When I crossed over the seven-year threshold a couple of weeks ago, I was PMSing. And so I was really hard on myself about it. It was really easy for me to kind of think like, well, this isn't enough. And what? Like I've only had this many downloads. And then simultaneously, I watched the new Pink documentary on Amazon Prime, which is really awesome. It's so good. And she does this concert. She does this concert, this huge sold out concert. And afterwards, she's in the limo and she's saying, that was terrible. I don't think that was a very good show. And I was like, okay, so everyone beats themselves up. It doesn't even matter what level of success you get to. You are still going to beat yourself up unless you deal with your own shit that causes you to beat yourself up. It's kind of like dieting and losing weight, right? It's like, it doesn't matter how thin you get. If your self-worth is contingent on your appearance, like it's never going to be good enough. And so I'm constantly working to unhook my sense of self-worth from the performance of this podcast and how many clients I have and all that stuff. Because as I'm going to talk about it, just kind of, it becomes this like whack-a-mole where you heal your relationship with your body and then it starts to pop up in other areas. So I'm feeling in a much better mood now and I'm going to take a moment to just be really proud of myself and what I've created. And it's all because of you. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you, for you listening and for you subscribing and for you leaving reviews. And I'm just so, so grateful for that. And so I wanted to do something special for episode 200. And I crowdsourced over social media to get some ideas. And I got some really great ideas. But to be really honest with you, I'm about to go on a bit of like semi hiatus. I'm still running my group program and seeing some clients, but I'm, I'm just taking a step back from doing anything real active for about a month because I just need a bit of a breather. I'm going to be spending some time with family that I haven't seen in a year. And so I wanted to do something that was also really fast. I didn't want to spend too much time putting together something complex for episode 200. And so some of you had some really good ideas, but they would have taken me a ton of time. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to go easier on myself because this past few months have been really hard with the loss of the pregnancy. I lost a pregnancy at 14 weeks, if you didn't know that. And so for three months, I was in the throes of first trimester shittiness, just feeling really awful. And then when I started to feel better, then I lost the pregnancy. We lost the baby. And so it's just been not great, super stressful, haven't been feeling good. So I'm going easier on myself this summer. This is the summer of summer. and I'm going to enjoy it. And so my friend Nina Purewal, who wrote the book, Let That Shit Go, who I interviewed on episode 150, suggested that I share lessons that I've learned in the show. And so that's what I decided to run with because I've learned so much in seven years. I've evolved so much. And I just want to share some of the stories about doing interviews 
and some of the stuff that I've learned along the way as a coach and as a podcaster. And hopefully it's just kind of interesting for you to hear and maybe you learn some stuff too. And some of my lessons really apply to you. So let's get started with that. Lesson number one is unworthiness is like a whack-a-mole. And this is something that my old colleague, Sarah Vance, and I used to talk about all the time. So body image issues are really just a symptom of larger things going on. And we often think, okay, if I eliminate my body image issues or I heal them, then I'm just going to be free of all doubts and all insecurities. And the problem is, is that body image stuff is always a symptom of a larger belief of unworthiness or not feeling good enough, and that which is learned from our culture. I talk a lot about that in episode 180 that you can go and check out there where our body image comes from. But the beautiful thing about healing the body image piece of the puzzle is you really start to gain access to the larger beliefs that fueled the body image stuff in the first place and the part of you that really needs tending to. And so it's like a gateway to this doing deeper healing, which is what I love to do with people. And that's been my personal experience with it. And that's the experience I see when I work with everyone else is that once we kind of heal the body image stuff, it sort of starts to manifest and show up in different ways in our lives. But all the tools and things that we use to heal body image, we can use to really heal those other parts because it's all coming from this place of healing the sense of unworthiness and building up a belief that we're good enough as we are. And so for me, that's always really showed up in my work. So especially in the beginning, it shifted from this need for validation about my body to this need for validation about my work. It was like, oh, how many likes did I get? How many people downloaded the podcast? And so instead of using the scale, I was looking at these metrics in my work. And I think that that is so common, but that will make or break you much like hinging your self-worth on your body image will make or break you. Hinging your self-worth on your work will make or break you. And so doing all the work I've done on body image has helped me so much to be able to see that for what it is and to be able to really start to tend to the part of me that feels this need to be validated, that feels this need to be liked, and that feels this need to have approval and whatnot. And that's really just a part of me that wants to be loved and is afraid of being hurt and being left alone. And we all have different sensitive parts of us that are there for a reason. And that's always fueled my feeling of not being good enough. And so as I continue to tend to that, it's less dominating and less emotionally charged. And I can see it for what it is and work on giving myself the validation I need. And that's been really powerful. So I'm so grateful that all the work I've done around self-worth and helping clients with self-worth, it just further kind of reinstills my own work on myself. And I'm constantly relying on the tools and frameworks that I learned early in my coaching that I teach in You on Fire and that I use with my clients because it is this like ongoing iterative process to continue to kind of reinforce that you're good enough and unhook from all these external measures of validation. And it really takes intention. But this is such an important lesson because it's just, we have to be looking at this, not just as like, I just want to feel better in my body. It's like, actually, no, we really want to like work on knowing we're good enough regardless of how we look. And that's going to help every area of your life. The second lesson is related to parenting. And this is something that I've had multiple conversations on this this week. So it seemed really relevant. And that is my job as a parent is to love my child for who he is. And my job for myself is to do the same. Being a parent 
continues to teach me so much. And it's like holding this mirror up to our own fears and insecurities. And it's something I really need to be aware of because if I ever start to bring in the shoulds into my son's life. So what I mean by that is thinking he should be able to do something or he should behave differently or any of my fears, like I'm afraid he's not going to be liked. I'm afraid he's not going to be accepted. That's all my stuff being projected on him. Those are my personal fears that I'm then projecting on him. And I have to really stop myself and look within because it has nothing to do with him. And so it's one of those really important lessons that I've learned. And I've learned it by just, again, like being doing this work for so long, being a coach for seven years, and then also having like so many amazing parents who are experts on this stuff on this podcast. So Graham, Seabrook, Virginia Soul Smith are two that come to mind more recently. And I know there's tons of others that I've talked to about parenting that are just slipping my mind at the moment. But it's like they all kind of speak in and around these things as well. And I'm so grateful for those interactions and those lessons and finding these people online and learning from their work. And that's helped me to then be a better parent and also give me this perspective to be a better person to myself. Because it's like, I just want my son to be who he is. Like, that's my goal is for him to be who he is and to love who he is and appreciate who he is. Why wouldn't I give that same level of appreciation and respect to myself? And I think that's what oftentimes when I work with parents, they come to me with that realization and they come to me ready to do the work because they've sort of said to themselves, like, I give this to my child, but I deserve this for myself too. And we do. And even if you don't have a kid, it's just, you still deserve that for yourself. And so that's just been something that's like really, really been solidified, especially over these last couple of years as he becomes more of a person with a personality and has more social interactions. And especially now that he's almost crushing over the threshold of being three, where they can feel more wider variety of emotions, like embarrassment and shame. And oh God, like even just saying those things, I feel like, oh, but my job isn't to protect him from feeling those things. It's to help him be able to experience those things and know he's okay, regardless of what he has gone through. And so this podcast has really helped me and ground myself in how I want to parent and just really reinforce like (laughs) my own stuff that I need to work on. And so I can continue working on that stuff. Lesson number three is the more space you take up, the more criticism you will receive. So this is like becomes clear to me every day. (laughs) The longer I do this work, the more criticism I receive, especially when I started to speak more politically on things. So I think, you know, when I first started to do this work, it was kind of like the watered down body positivity message, which is all I knew at that time. And then as I really learned and started to follow fat activists and learn about intersectional feminism and study all that stuff, it cracked everything open for me. And I brought that, was able to then weave that into my message and see it from this much bigger, broader perspective. When I started to speak more politically on things, I definitely got more criticism, which is fine. That criticism doesn't bother me at all. But the criticism that does bother me is when someone really judges or criticizes something that I'm sensitive about. So an area about myself that I'm insecure about or a limiting belief that I've inherited about who I am, that really hits on those feelings of not being good enough. And I think that's true for all of us. We're going to be more sensitive to the criticism that kind of validates these limiting beliefs that we have about ourselves. 
And so there's a small handful of times that someone said something to me that really hurt. And so even though 99% of the feedback I get is more positive, it's still like even those little just comments from strangers that I don't even know, that don't totally know who I am. They just know what their perception is of me from listening to the podcast or seeing my social media. It still really sticks with you. But I've had to accept that if I want this message to get out there, if we really want to kind of change this culture and collectively get this message out there, we're going to receive criticism. And we can't let that stop us. We have to continue to take up space regardless of that simultaneously and work on. So at the same time, what I'm trying to say is we want to take up more space. We know we're going to get more criticism. And while we're doing that, we need to be working on really accepting that that's part of doing this work and learning how to unhook from the praise and criticism that make us sensitive to that stuff. And so when I trained with Tara Moore, I took her playing big facilitators training years ago. And that was one of the coaches trainings I took. One of the big things that she teaches is how to unhook from praise and criticism. And that's something that I use on myself all the time. And I use with clients and I'm constantly coming back to like these questions that she asks and that I ask my clients to really unhook from those things and understand like what's more important to me than someone saying something about me and they don't even really know me. Like their opinions shouldn't matter. Everyone has an opinion about something. Certain people's opinions really do matter to me. And these other people's opinions shouldn't matter, but they do because I'm sensitive. And so I can take what someone says now and look at it objectively and decide, okay, is this useful feedback or is it something that I just want to leave? And that's been really helpful. But it's just a lesson I want to pass on to you is that the more space that you take up, the more judgment you may face. And I don't want that to stop you. I'd rather you work unhooking your value of yourself from that judgment and from that praise as well, because they're equal in order to take up that space and not let you hide. Like if I let criticism get me down, I wouldn't be showing up here. I wouldn't be able to do this podcast. It's just par for the course when you have a presence on the internet. And it is what I receive is nothing compared to other people with much larger platforms who are in marginalized bodies. The, The stuff that they receive is violent. The stuff that they receive is like what I would consider emotional abuse. And yet they keep showing up. So all my props go to them because I come from a place of privilege, I don't receive the same level of abuse that they receive. But you still get criticism and it still really sucks. But if we want to live more purposeful and fulfilling lives, then we have to take up space and that's going to come. It's just like this linear thing. The more space you take up, the more criticism you'll receive. But we have so much more to gain by taking up that space. We do. We do. Because if we're hiding, we're letting the doubts rule our mind, then it's just as bad. There's discomfort either way. And so that's something that's really been true in this journey. The more I do it, the more criticism I receive. And that's just what I have to accept. Lesson number four is my biggest learnings and inspiration have really come from taking in other people's stories on this podcast. And I'm guessing that's probably why you like listening to this podcast is because you learn a ton from taking in other people's stories too. But if I wasn't a podcaster, there's no way I would have read as many books as I've read and interviewed so many interesting people. I am so grateful that this is what I get to do and it allows me access to all these incredible people and their stories. My favorite genre of book is memoir. And I just 
just love listening to the stories of people who have courageously done cool things with their lives. And I really love to analyze what's going on in their brain and learn from it and take stuff away from it. And I think that that's one of the amazing things about hearing other people's stories on this podcast is that you get to find similarities in other people's stories and take away learnings from them and different perspectives that can really help you. So I'm always taking away so many lessons and piecing things together for myself through other people's stories. It's one of the reasons why I love running a group program too, because that same dynamic happens. We're taking away others' lessons and it creates all these perspective shifts with us. Recently, I read Seth Rogen's book, Yearbook, and which is hilarious if you are a fan of his, which he's from Vancouver, which is where I live. And so I love, there were so many stories from Vancouver, which is, was really cool to read. But he talks about, there's one story he has in his book where he talks about when he did the movie, The Interview, and he received a ton of criticism for it and how it just destroyed him, how that criticism really hurt him. And I was reading this and I was like, wait a minute. He is so successful, like he has millions of fans and this criticism hurts him. (laughs) Like, I don't know why you seem to think that, at least me, you kind of think that like, well, if these people have a certain number of fans, like they must be immune to criticism, but it's just not true at all. And that's just one example of like reading a story and having something from it really give you a different perspective on something. And that probably should have gone with the previous point about criticism (laughs) and about the more space you take up. But I guess it kind of feeds in here because it was just a story that really stood out to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, like everyone's sensitive to criticism, aren't they? We just seem to think people are bulletproof when they have like a certain level of fame or success. And that's just not true at all. Like everyone at their core is just this sensitive human being. And yeah, it's just a really good reminder that we're all human and we're all in this mess together. Lesson number five is I don't know everything and I never will. And I want you to kind of learn stuff on your own as well and critique stuff and figure out if it's right for you. I don't want to tell you how to think and feel. I want you to be able to be empowered to figure these things out for yourself. And I can guide you to find things that really resonate with you and feel right for you. But I'm never going to tell you how to think and feel. And I don't know everything. (laughs) And I never will. And learning and growth are really key. That was a really long point. I don't really know how to summarize that except for saying I don't know everything and I never will. But for me, I feel I feel like I've evolved so much in the past seven years. If I go back and listen to some of the initial episodes or read some of my blog posts from that seven years ago, I'm like, oh my God, like it's just kind of embarrassing. But I think that we all have to be open to learning and growing. I don't mind having my beliefs challenged. I appreciate when people have called me in and I really value when people have said, hey, Summer, I noticed something about this and I feel like you could say this better. And I mean this in like a social justice way. I don't mean this in like a critique on my writing skills because that is just kind of maybe annoying unless I've asked you for that help. Um, But I just mean like, I really value having humility. And there's been some times where I've said something or I've written something where someone has come to me and said, Hey, Summer, this is a little bit problematic. And here's why can you change it? And I'm like, yes, like I will absolutely change that. I don't mind having those things challenged. And I think it's just like no one goes out of the gate knowing everything. I think that sometimes we have this expectation of perfection on other people. 
I see this a lot in the internet. There's always people kind of critiquing other people or trying to like one up their thoughts or like kind of try to critique maybe the fact that their social media post lacked some level of nuance, which by the way, no social media post can ever include all the nuance that goes into the sort of headline behind it. But no one comes out of the gate perfect. And yet I think a lot of times in our culture, like we are expecting perfection from other people. And it's like, this is the system that we're trying to take down. And yet we're kind of in inflicting it back onto other people. And I don't think that's okay. I don't think that's fair. And I don't think any of us are perfect. I don't think any of us have perfect paths. And so I think it's okay to learn and grow. I think it's okay to be imperfect. And it's okay to change how you feel about something. I really want to shake this belief that things need to be really binary and all or nothing and perfectionist. That's all the stuff that we're trying to dismantle because it's created these problems in the first place. And I'm not going to hold myself to some perfect standard. I'm imperfect and I'm willing to grow and I'm willing to learn. And I've had to remove old problematic posts from the past because they, like I said, I was just like, oh, this doesn't really align with what I know and know better now. And that's okay. We can change and evolve and we can have different beliefs and perspectives. And we don't want just like one way of thinking that we all have to think and follow. Like that's not good either. (laughs) So lesson number six that I've learned in doing this for so long is just that I love coaching. I just love it. I love helping people in that way. And I don't find that that really translates well to things like social media because coaching is so nuanced and individual. And it's really about helping people to kind of find their own answers within and realize their own power. And when I'm coaching someone, I'm asking them questions, I'm guiding them, we're doing a lot of like feeling work and finding things that are resonant and finding like authentic responses that feel right to them. And what someone's body means to them is different than what someone's body means to somebody else. And what you experienced that formed your body image is different from somebody else's. And so I love that container. Like if I could just coach for the rest of my life and not have to promote myself on social media, I would be so happy. But that's not the way it works. Unfortunately, I have to accept that I have to do this thing that I don't love, social media, in order to coach people because otherwise no one would find me. (laughs) And so... I guess just take away from that is that social media is great for seeing surface level headlines. It's great for kind of like informative aspect of stuff, but it is never a substitute for coaching. It is never a reflection of what is done in a coaching container because the real work that happens in that container is just like so powerful and magical and amazing. And that's just something that over doing this for years, I've just had to accept that there's going to be certain things I have to do that I don't love. Social media is one of them, but it allows me to then do the thing I love. And that I think that that is worth it in that case. And so maybe for you, the lesson is there's going to be some stuff that you hate that you have to do in order to do the thing you love. I just don't think anything's perfect. Lesson number seven is that my values are critical to me. There's something I refuse to waver on anymore. I think when I was starting this, I was more open to changing things because I wanted to be liked or kind of like performing stuff because I wanted to be liked. And as I've become really more aware of them and more confident in myself and more confident in my beliefs, I come back to my values all the time. They really give me a roadmap on how I want to live my life and how I want to stay true to who I am and what's truly important to me. And some people are not going to like you or agree with you. And this is often because they hold different values. So it's not because 
because there's something wrong with you. It's because they probably hold different values. And I'm always checking myself against this to ensure that I'm living my life aligned to my values and running this podcast aligned to my values. And, you know, I've had a couple instances where I had to remove somebody's podcast because they actually went and like started attacking me publicly online, which was a little creepy and um, disheartening to see. And it all started because like I said, the BMI was bullshit and they were arguing me against it and they weren't open to like having a discussion about it. And so I deleted their comment and their post because like I can do that. (laughs) And then they started like just publicly insulting me like on their public profile, on their personal page. And I remember at one point, like one of the things that they wrote was they called me a social justice warrior. And I was like, that was supposed to be an insult. Like, (laughs) that was am I supposed to be insulted by that? But it was kind of relentless over the course of 24 out to 48 hours. And I felt personally threatened because they were really relentless about it. And I tried blocking stuff and like doing all these things and they just kept going with it. So I removed their podcast (laughs) and didn't align to my values anymore. And we can do that. And then another instance is where I had this woman pitch me this amazing podcast idea and I loved it. It was so good. And then right the day before we were going to record, I went and looked at their podcast and I listened to a couple of their podcast episodes and they were promoting this idea of weight loss and intentional weight loss. And I just then had to cancel the interview. And again, like I know this feels like I'm maybe being a perfectionist about it, but the thing I care about most is like not harming you, the listeners, my audience, my clients. Like I would never want to contribute and uphold to the systems that we're trying to take down, you know, fat phobia and, and sexism and everything else. And so I don't want to have a guest on the show that is upholding those things because you may listen to that guest and then you may go and listen to their podcast or buy their book or whatever. And that's just not okay with me. And so those are just a couple instances where I've really had to like, look at my values. What do I want to like be upholding here? And how do I want to do that? And sometimes that means kind of like saying no to other people or setting boundaries, but being loyal to the things that I really care about is absolutely more important. And that feels so much better than doing things because I just want people to like me. So uh, lesson number eight is that digging into emotions sucks, but it is so important. When I started this work, I think I was a little bit more bulletproof. I think I was a little bit more like, I don't want to feel hard things because I was still suppressing a lot of emotions myself. And then once I really continued to do work on myself and have work with other coaches and stuff or on my own stuff, I really have learned how to feel things quite deeply and know the importance of doing that. And so in my personal life, whenever I'm feeling stuck, I know that there are emotions to be felt underneath and we cannot intellectualize ourselves out of these feelings as much as we want to. (laughs) And so I remember when I was about to do the coach's training at CTI, which is where I got my life coaching training. And there's an entire section of their program that is on emotions. And it's like 25% of the program. And so I was so nervous about that because I knew that I was going to be coached on emotions in the group setting. And I was just like terrified of that. And so I remember I was working with a life coach at the time myself personally, and she like coached me on being comfortable with emotions to prepare me to be trained on being comfortable with emotions. And it was so helpful. 
And it was just like this groundbreaking session that we had where I was like, okay, like they're not as scary as I thought because I have a history of depression. And when I was depressed, which I was from like the age of 13 to my late 20s, I was on antidepressants. I was always kind of like numbed out from my emotions. Like the medication kind of just didn't allow me to like feel anything too strongly. And so I always had this weird relationship with sadness where I thought sadness was scary. It was something I didn't want to feel because it meant that I would be depressed. It meant I would be sinking back into that state that I didn't want to go back into, which there's nothing wrong with being in that state, by the way. That's a story for another day. But just know that like, for me, I had this really complicated relationship with emotions and particularly sadness. And so for me, I had to be coached on how to be comfortable with those things in myself in order to be comfortable with other people's as well. And it's just reinforced like how powerful the emotional stuff is and how it's not about just like intellectualizing ourselves when we do body image work or when we do any kind of healing work. It's really about getting into our bodies where we hold the emotions and processing that. And that's where the real shifts happen. And I'm so grateful that I learned that because having lost my dad in the last two years and having lost pregnancy more recently, I was really able to just feel those things and process them and move through them and not let it like overtake me and find support for it. And I'm just so grateful for that. And that kind of tags on to the lesson number nine, which I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm actually a very sensitive person. And I don't think I ever would have said that seven years ago. I think I was like, no, like I'm a badass. And I I am too. You can be a sensitive badass. But I had more armor up when I started. That was what I was trying to do. I had more armor up. I didn't give a fuck about what anyone thought of me, attitude. That was the kind of thing I was projecting. And as much as I love that and still have pieces of that, for sure, it was also a bit of a shield. In my core, I'm a really sensitive person. I feel things deeply. I'm a Pisces. This is why sometimes criticism can like really hurt me because I am really sensitive. And I think that sometimes we try to hide that we're sensitive because we want to have a more tough and bulletproof exterior, but that's not really true to who we are. I think most of the clients I work with are more sensitive people. And what if we can own that? What if we can own that we're sensitive and let ourselves feel things? Since I started doing that and reaching out when I was feeling hurt, it has helped me be so much less ragey. I used to be like anger used to be my go-to emotion and now it's not. And that's so nice. I mean, I still get ragey, don't get me wrong, but it's just not like the go-to emotion. Like I can go to other stuff and just welcome the fact that I'm sensitive, that something really hurt me, that I'm sad about something. And that's so amazing. I'm so grateful for that. And I don't think I would have been able to get to that point if it weren't for doing this work for seven years with other people and doing this podcast and learning so much about emotions and everything else and talking to so many people on this podcast podcast throughout the years has helped me to realize that so many other people are sensitive too. Like I said, I think we see these other professionals on the internet or influencers and we think that they're just bulletproof and they're happy all the time and nothing bothers them. And like, that's not true. (laughs) That's not true at all. That's such bullshit. We're all sensitive and we're all sensitive about things and we're all human. The last thing I've learned before I wrap this up is just the importance of community. And that includes you. I would not be here if it were not for your support. Your subscriptions, your reviews, your emails, your likes. And while I don't want the metrics to matter, they do because I wouldn't be here. I mean, if no one listened to this podcast, I wouldn't be doing it. (laughs) I wouldn't be able to do it. I'd be back at my corporate job. Like that's just the way it would be. And so while I would love those things not to matter, they do. But I think the bigger, it's not just like the metrics. That's not what I'm trying to say. The metrics don't matter. It's the actual messages. It's the connections that I've made. It's like chatting with people in my DMs or meeting these amazing other people that have 
have become my colleagues that I still talk to years later. Like I never, ever would have had that if it weren't for this work and this podcast and the community and connections I've made in doing this is priceless. And I value it so much. Like I wish that I could get into a room with all of my listeners of this podcast and just like have like a huge party because I think that would be the best, best time. And I could really hug all of you unless you're not a hugger, then I wouldn't. And just show you how much I appreciate you. The community is so, it's just so important. My own personal community of people who also do this work is key. One particular person that I value so much is my friend, Victoria Wellsby. The number of times that they've supported me when I've had doubts or been stuck is instrumental. And I hope that they feel that that's mutual. I think it is. Um, But we always need someone in our corner who gets us and who has a similar experience and who can be our cheerleader. This is why I adore running a group program as well. So my group program, You on Fire, because it creates this incredibly supportive environment where people get where you're coming from. They're your people. They get you. And that's so hard to find sometimes when most of our peer groups are still immersed in diet culture. So community is just the most important thing to me. It's one of the biggest lessons I've learned. I always need to have it. I always need to have people to reach out to. And I love, love, love having you as part of this community. And I'm just so grateful for you being a listener, being a fan, being a client. You all hold a special place in my heart, truly, truly, and deeply. And I just want to thank you for that. And so I hope you took away something from this episode. I'm forever grateful to you. And I'll be back with another 200 episodes. (laughs) 14 years from now, maybe. See, I'm saying it now and I'm like, there's no way, but you never know. We'll see. But I'm just so grateful. Thank you so much for listening today. You can find all the links and resources mentioned at summerinandin.com forward slash 200. There's a couple more episodes going live and then for the rest of the season, and then it's going on a hiatus for a few weeks. And it'll be back in the fall with a brand new season, which I'm super excited about. Thank you so much for being here today. Rock on. I'm Summer Inanen, and I want to thank you for listening today. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Summer Inanen. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts, search Eat the Rules, and subscribe, rate, and review this show. I would be so grateful. Until next time, rock on.